Hello and a warm welcome to Translate Stars podcast, a podcast created by language professionals for language professionals. And we are live. Hi everyone, I'm Roberta, I'm Translate Stars content manager, and I'm here today with Diego Perez, okay, the other way, um, English into Brazilian Portuguese video game translator. So hi, Diego, how are you? Hello, Roberta. I'm doing great. How about you? <laughs> Hello, I'm, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very well. So we're here today to give some um, advice on how to enter the video game localization world. But before we start, please remember to drop your questions in the chat if you want to ask Diego anything. And also, please remind that this interview will be recorded so you can also catch up on it later. So are you ready, Diego? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, so let's get started. So my first question is, um, you graduated exactly 10 years ago because I did my homework and I stopped you on LinkedIn. So uh, <laughs> did you know then that you wanted to become um, a video game translator? I did not, actually. Uh, I enrolled in the Portuguese and English language and literature uh, university because I wanted to be a video game writer <laughs> and narrative designer. Wow. <laughs> At that time, uh, that sounded like an obvious choice to me because I, I, I was really passionate about video games since a very young age. And I was also passionate about writing. I, write a, I wrote uh, fan fictions and all kinds of, of things and some nonsense too, <laughs> including some uh, song lyrics and, and things like that. But once I graduated, I cannot find a related job there, um, especially here in, in Brazil. The game development, uh, mar uh, the game development market was still in the in the first steps, so we could not find a, a job with what I wanted. And in that time, I even considered uh, finding something uh, that that was not language related and and anything I could uh, find a job in, <laughs> because I was very young. But then uh, I. I I had a very, um, my university had a very comprehensive curriculum and I had studied translation at, a, at the time. And one of my connections in the university actually went, went on to become a translator. So during that time, I, I talked to him and he helped me land my first job as a freelancer. But during that time, that was not uh, video game related. Actually, it was a very, um, a very hard, a hard job to, to do because uh, I had to translate around 5,000 words a day, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. And it was some uh, technical fields that I was not familiar with. So I translated uh, machine manuals, oil and gas procedures, medical leaflets, agreements, anything they could <laughs> throw, my, throw my way. I was just there. So it was a hard time for me. But also, it was very important because I was able to improve my my research skills a lot, and uh, because and I felt capable, like that I could uh, that, that I could tackle anything and anything and any kind of subject that I could uh, that I was uh, asked to translate. I felt like I was capable of doing that, and it was also very important because I found out that translation was something I really enjoyed. I, I enjoyed the challenge of. Uh, having a source text and figuring out how that text should be translated to my, my native language. And it actually took me uh, almost one year, maybe 
maybe a bit more to finally realize that I could employ the, those skills for video game translation. And that's when it really clicked for me that I could have my greatest passion, that's video games, and join it with my best skill at the time, which was translation. The perfect marriage. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And then um, later, how did you get your first video game translator assignment? Well, uh, when I was translating uh, technical things, I, I just uh, I, I thought that video game localization was made in-house. I thought that game developers had their own teams, and they were and the only way to to land those jobs was to moving uh, to to moving abroad, living abroad, right? Because remote work was not really uh, was not a reality at the time. It really uh, advanced, especially after the, the pandemic. So I just I never, I never thought I could um, localize video games from the comfort of my home. I think that I was not even aware of the word localization, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> so, uh, so when I finally realized that, uh, that localization could be done in a freelancer capacity instead of just in-house, that's when I started uh, frantically looking for translation agencies. And I was actually amazed when I found out that the uh, that there were a lot of localization agencies, just as many, uh, not just as many, but almost as many as regular translation agencies. So I applied to a dozen of them, maybe a, a bit more. And I finally got back with the translation test. Thankfully, <laughs> I passed. And uh, yeah, and it all worked out for me uh, after after this. And I remember that my my the first my first feelings when I was localizing video games for the first time I was amazed to think that something I wrote something that I actually wrote would be on the screen of thousands of of Brazilian players that could uh, get to experience the favorite games in their native language. So this is what has always kept me going forward in this industry. So right now you are a game localization wizard, but um, what has changed for you and for the industry in the last 10 years? Well, uh, the industry has grown a lot bigger than 10 years ago. Um, digital distribution has become the norm since then. and for to give to give some perspective 10 years ago uh, playstation 4 and xbox one hadn't even launched yet and playstation 5 is now almost three years old so it has so just to give some perspective how 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 much time that that has been and the mobile market the mobile game market at the time was uh, on its first steps and ever since then uh, game development in general has become much more accessible and it, and it also has decentralized from North America and Europe. So you have a lot of game studios spread all, all over the world, um, in the East and, and everywhere. And ever since then, the player base has increased and players are willing to, to spend more, especially with microtransactions like buying cosmetics or DLCs and, and, and things like that. And uh, I, I think the localization industry as a, uh, as a whole has uh, has also grown bigger together with this market. So today, if you if you go to Steam, for example, on, on PC, uh, you'll see that 
most games that you that you that you look at at the store will have at least a dozen languages they are available in. So game developers have quickly come to realize um, the how 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 good it is to localize their games and how important localization is to increase their reach into other markets. So uh, I think this has really changed because um, there are many more uh, translation localization agencies right now than when I started. So you have um, small agencies providing um, premium services to game developers. And I think it's, uh, uh, it's a nice time for, for game localization in general. Mm -hmm. So Gustavo writes, I'm looking forward for the workshop with Diego this month. So spoiler alert, uh, Diego will give more advice during his expert course in video game localization. And I will um, drop the link in the chat. Um, so you could consider signing up. It starts on May 15. And so please, if you have any questions uh, related to this live session or to the course, please just write them in the chat. And um, I will go forward with my next question, which is a bit tricky, so be prepared. So in, um, in hindsight, uh, what's the most terrible mistake you made as a new <laughs> translator? Well, um, in hindsight, to be perfectly honest, I think it was uh, neglect neglecting my career. <laughs> because uh, once I started working on, on the localization of big game titles, like, I don't know, StarCraft Remastered and Watch Dogs and games like that, it all uh, felt like a dream come true. And also, um, I, I come from a, a developing country and I was working for foreign companies. So uh, my monthly income at the time was just uh, superior to everyone my age. So, uh, and then uh, as a young man uh, at the wise age of 25 <laughs> years old, <laughs> I was led to believe I had reached the, the peak of my career, that it was, that it just couldn't get any, any better than that. And, and I was really happy at the time. So, so I enjoyed working with the people I was working with. But I failed to realize that it was just the beginning, right? That uh, language skills are just a part of a, of a freelance translator has to, to work on in their career. So through the next years in, in game localization, I continually uh, improved my language skills. I, I thought I, I got even better at, at my job, but I did not consider what other skills I had to develop to keep my career moving forward. So in hindsight, I think I would be more mindful of that when I was younger. So you said building your career, um, not only skills wise, so also on the marketing side of freelancing. So getting more clients, not relying on the good old ones that you have, something like that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I, I, and uh, uh, that's a common mistake, actually, a lot of uh, of colleagues I know and, and people I, I see on LinkedIn, they, they have uh, come forward to uh, to tell uh, a similar story that they had uh, a one client or two clients and that they stayed with for for a long time, and they and they then they forgot to to really market themselves and, and see freelance translation as more of a of a business than just. Uh, something that that you have to to work on the language skills only mm -hmm. so uh that said what 
essential skills um, does a video game translator need to have or build over time? Well, um, language skills are naturally the first choice because a localization specialist needs to understand what the standard language and terminology are for different game genres and game audiences and be able to adjust their writing accordingly, right? So uh, this is really important. You, you, can't, uh, you can't be a good translator without uh, working on your language, language skills. And video game localization is, can be really challenging because a single game has different um, different kinds of, of formality or kinds of text because you were maybe you are translating instructions and then you are translating dialogue lines which are more casual, colloquial, informal. So you really have to be uh, tuned for all these uh, different aspects of writing, and you have to be able to apply that in your own writing. And coming right up next to to write up after language skills. I would say research skills, because uh, video game translation is usually seen as one single specialization. But the truth is that games can vary a lot between one another. So one, on one day, for example, you might be localizing a hunting simulator. So you have to you will translate a, a lot of animal names, plant names, weapon parts, or and survival things in general. And on the next week, you might get assigned for a racing game, for example. And then you'll need to, to, to know some technical terminology related to mechanical parts, for example. So you need to be comfortable with surfing the internet and navig navigating game documentation with dozens or hundreds of pages. So And, and of, of course, as a translator, you can um, be honest with your project manager and say, OK, I'm not familiar with, with this with this topic, I'd rather get assigned to another uh, to another game job. But still, you'll need uh, good research skills, even if you are working within your specialization, right? And finally, um, communication negotiation skills are essential for a translator to advance the career, like I mentioned in the previous questions. Uh, th that's what will keep assignments coming your way, right? From different sources to diversify your income, and that's how you will be able to increase your rates according to your experience and certifications. So in a nutshell, uh, to do a good job, you need language skills and research skills. And to have a great career, you need communication and negotiation skills. Mm -hmm. So Gustavo writes, uh, Diego, Elden Ring must have been quite a challenge to translate. Could you give us more context around it? Well, I actually did not work on Elden Ring. It's a, it's a great game that was released, I think, last year or two years ago, but I was not involved in the translation. So mm -hmm. I, I, I can't really speak to it, but I, but I, I know the game. I, I have watched the videos and I agree. It must have been quite a challenge to, to translate. <laughs> uh, so to follow up on that, uh, what has been um, the most challenging project that you've worked on or the one that you feel mo most proud of? Well, um, I, I, because of NDAs, I can't really go much okay. uh, too, too deep into that. But from the ones I, I can mention, that is the one that I was credited in. I think it was probably Watch Dogs Legion because they had uh, 
because the characters they have different personas so it was not uh, a single character with one personality so, uh, so for example if you you had one dialogue line and this dialogue line uh, could be said by the same dialogue line could be spoken by different characters with different uh, persona so uh and, and that of course the, the the kind of discourse was adapted to it and there were a lot of um technical uh <laughs> technical things in the in the in the game that were really challenging but i, I cannot go much further than that but uh, it definitely was one of but the you, biggest you survived you survived. Yeah, survived. <laughs> yeah actually um uh, and now I'm working. I'm also working on the localization of Kenshi 2 by Lo-Fi Studios, and that's also a very, very challenging project. Uh, I, I don't know when it's going to be released, but uh, the, the the kind of of discourse involved in the in the in the dialogue lines they can really vary. They have a lot of nuances. It's a British game, so the humor has. Uh, is different from Portuguese, and so uh, to translate it effectively and in a natural way, I'm just just really pushing my limits and finding and, and really getting in tune with a, with a casual language in Brazil to make it sound natural, funny, and still within the tone that was established for Kenshi too. Mm -hmm. So when you say uh, language skills, um... How do you improve them by reading, by listening to, I don't know, TV? What's your trick for improving uh, language skills? Yes, that's something uh, that, that I'm always telling uh, students and, and people I mentor, that you have to be in tune with, uh, with your native language. People uh, naturally they, they tend to uh, to to consume a lot of the of the of the source language. So, for example, in my case, that that would be English. They tend to consume that a lot. But uh, if you are if you are too distant from your native language, chances are your translation will have a similar structure to the to the source language. So it might it maybe the uh, maybe the the translation will be grammatically correct. Probably will. If you're if you're doing a good job, but do not be uh, as natural as native speakers in your language are communicating. So you have to to uh, really uh, consume a lot of uh, of con of content in your native language, and you have to be always especially aware of how uh, how, how the communication is taking place, depending on, on on the social context of the of the characters. Of, of their education levels or the medium that, that's that's going on there so that's really how how you you can uh, start working towards a more uh, natural translation or localization in your language mm -hmm. so we have three questions from the audience the first one is from Alice hi Diego I'm not sure if you have already mentioned it but uh, in the market of game localization is it possible to work as a freelancer or can you also be officially hired by a game localization company so you spoke a little bit about this people before but maybe you can um, expand on that of course uh, yes you definitely can uh, land uh, a full-time job in a, in a game localization agency or in a game developer especially with uh, with remote uh, with remote work being so widespread right now there are a lot of 
lot of job opportunities there. So you can even use LinkedIn to find those opportunities. You can set your preferences to uh, to remote locations, and you will see a lot of, of game localization jobs. However, uh, if you are starting out, it, it will probably uh, be hard to land those kind of jobs because the freelance market in game localization is just so big that even uh, the when people apply to to those full time positions, the, the the ones that get selected are usually from uh, from the freelance market they already have um, some experience with game localization so companies tend to uh, they, they tend to prefer those kind of, of, of applications but you definitely can land those jobs there are very good jobs in in game localization that you can that you can get hired to do mm -hmm. so we have another question from Rafael. Um, can a beginner translator get into translation market easily without recommendation? Uh, what would be the starting point? Well, the starting points, uh, you'll have to, to build a good uh, online profile. You probably might uh, want to consider uh, building a, a website with a portfolio. And then you would go on to, uh, to, to do some sample translation. So you can start looking for for example, um, store pages or just uh, uh, play games that you think will have a challenging localization. And then you can uh, translate things that you, you find interesting as a portfolio and, they, and you can make th that available. So it, I, I think that just like any other career, it's hard to, to really get inside the industry when you have no experience, no recommendation or no education. But if you were, but you have, if you have a polished profile, for example, on LinkedIn, and you have the connections, and you have a portfolio, it will be a bit easier to land those jobs. And the good news is that uh, the game localization uh, market, especially freelance one, there is it's it's really big, and translators are always moving from one agency to another. So there are a lot of openings. There's always uh, there's always some some kind of opening because uh, if a translator is not available, then the agency will have to find another one. And that happens a lot on the freelance market. So if you have so if you are well positioned, if you are sending applications, eventually chances are some of them, some of those agencies will eventually uh, reach out to you. Maybe uh, six months from from when you when you applied, but it will definitely happen. So we have a question from Ignacio, and I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, hi, Diego. What do you think is a good advice for someone who wants to start developing this area of translation, like small video games or so? Mm, okay, um, I'm not sure. Uh, it, it means to start as a, as a translator? If, yeah, uh, maybe I I think yeah maybe uh, to start out as a um, video game translator. Uh, I don't know if uh, small video games you have more of a chance of translating them because they are not so popular or worldwide. I don't know. That's just something um, I'm thinking about. Yes. Uh, well, game localization agencies. They, uh, uh, depending on the size of the game localization agencies or agency, um, they will have different levels of, of different sizes of games. So they might be 
localizing AAA games, like the big ones, and they will also have mobile games. So once you, if, if when you start working with a game localization agency, they probably, if you have no experience, they probably assign you some smaller games that that are not uh, too complex, and and that's when you really start working. But also, uh, smaller localization agencies, they uh, will hardly have uh, those kind of clients. So with small video games is probably where you start. That's how I started. My first few games were mobile games with uh, that were not uh, really complex. Mm -hmm. We have a question from Joseph. Um, I don't know if you'll know the answer, but I'll share it. So maybe uh, someone else can also chime in and answer Joseph. Um, hello, Diego. I'd like to know if we have game localization tasks in Kiswahili, which is one of the main languages that are widely spoken in Africa. <clears throat> sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'd, I I can't really tell if that uh, you know, how how the market is for that language pair in particular. I, I have limited knowledge on that. <laughs> I really hope someone can just. Uh, help <laughs> Joseph, and uh, we will get to an answer to his question. But yeah, we have... reach... I'm sorry, Robert. you can, uh, Joseph, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, feel free, and we'll figure that out. <laughs> we have another very important question from Florin, which is question, can AI translation bot help you in the process of translation, like chat GPT 3.5 or 4, especially in, I think, video game localization? Is it a trend or or not? Uh, well, I'm sure there are a lot of uh, video games out there, uh, video game developers that have been working with AI translation, even on on the on the front end side. Uh, that is the the text on screen that the that the, the players is playing. But uh, as a translator. I'm definitely, <laughs> ChatGPT is definitely a help to me. It helps me a lot with ideation. It helps me a lot uh, to, to point towards, uh, to help me with my research. But that's not uh, where, where I would go to find my my definite translation for something. But it's, it's great. It's a great brainstorming tool. It's great to help you with your research. And I encourage uh, using ChatGPT for any translation out there. And another question from Paulo. Hi, I'm a subtitler uh, thinking in branching out to game localization. I feel the software may be quite different between those branches of ABT. Um, which software would you suggest I invest in uh, learning for game localization? Well, um, game localization, I, I also, I actually speak about cat tools in general on my, on my upcoming uh, webinar. But uh, I, I think the, the tool of preference for, for video game localizers, and for me in particular, is MemoQ. MemoQ is, is a great, great, great tool, great tool that uh, has a lot of features. You can, you can perform quality, quality checks. The preview panel is really good. I think it, it's definitely a step ahead for, for many of other CAD tools out there. But uh, the job market, I mean, the, the game localization market in general, uh, not always uh, they use MemoQ because it, it requires a license from the, from the freelancers as well. So many will actually use uh, no one platform like Phrase or Crowding. 
the good news is that uh, CAD tools in general are, are very similar to one another. So if you are proficient with one, you will, you will, of course, you will have to adjust to to a new CAD tool, but it won't be. You, you won't need to learn from scratch. You can just uh, search some documentation to to find out how to perform something that you knew how to do on 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 your CAD tool of choice. So uh, I think uh, if you if you want to choose a software to begin with, that would probably MemoQ or Crowding. Crowd, I, I see Crowding has uh, is been used a lot on video game localization in the past two years in particular. Mm -hmm. And again, on tools, um, Coraldia asks, what tools do you suggest for building a portfolio? Well, for building a website portfolio, you won't, um, you won't need a, a CAD tool to do that. You can do that just with your, with your regular text editing uh, software. And if you are if you are asking about uh, how to develop the website, then probably WordPress would be a, a good choice. But I'm not really an expert on on the different uh, the different platforms that can be used to, to build a website. If I can suggest one, maybe Canva. Canva is really easy to use. Maybe that's just the place that you could go for a nice portfolio. Yeah, I've been um, using a lot on the workshop to, to prepare for the workshop. <laughs> nice. So we have other questions. Uh, we have one from Alice. Um, thank you, Diego, for your previous answer. I have another question. If I wanted to do an inter internship in localization, should I ask video game localization companies or video game publishers too? Well, I haven't found much internships in localization. They usually uh, jobs are usually uh, an entry level, like junior, and so so uh, I, I can't actually recall if if I if I have seen an internship for game localization, but I think uh, it it probably would be best looking for video game localization agencies than video game publishers because video game publishers, uh, like I said, it's not as uh, very common that video game localization that, that I'm sorry that video game developers have a dedicated localization team because it's not usually cost effective unless uh, it's a big publisher or a big developer with a lot of content that needs to to be constantly localized and those companies that actually have uh, a full-time team they will um, they will tend to choose someone with more experience. So I think the your best bet would be to uh, to go for a video game localization agency if you are starting out. And again, again on portfolios, um, what material do you suggest to include in a portfolio regarding copyright? Uh, well, I think you could go for um, I don't know you you could. If you have a, a, a favorite game or, or a game that you think is particularly challenging, you can work with that. I wouldn't be um, too concerned with with copyright because you are not uh, you are not profiting from the from the from the sample translation you are doing. You are just uh, using content that's publicly available, and you are providing a suggestion of localization. So as long as you don't uh, monetize your sample translation in any way. It should be fine. Mm -hmm. um, 
another question from Abraham. Diego, really insightful interview. Do you prefer to work with indie video game develop developers or with big companies? Indie video game developers. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even think about that. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I mean, uh, working with big companies is great for your portfolio, for your CV. That's what uh, working with those kind of games uh, that's what really helped me uh, get where I am. But it can be uh, really stressful, <laughs> and sometimes you are you, you can be very distant from the creative part uh, of things. When you work with uh, indie video game developers, for example, uh, with just like I'm doing right now with Kenshi 2, which is a, an indie game developer, I think they are much more passionate about what they're doing, and they are. Um, very uh, interested that their work translates well into another language. So that kind of, of, of proximity you build, uh, that kind of relationship you build with indie-game indie developers is hard to see to be seen in, in big companies. So uh, um, I think it has been more enjoyable for me. But uh, there are a lot of colleagues I personally know that they uh, prefer working with big companies because there's it's strong that uh, there are a lot of positive aspects with working with those companies as well. And again, we have a tricky question or kind of hard one. Um, what about landing video game clients as a translation agency slash team? I tend to have success landing clients as a freelancer, but I don't really know who to contact and how to contact game devs. Yeah, well, that's really the, the trickiest part. Um, I, I'm still getting around with that personally, so to be perfectly honest, because um, um, video game localization agencies or, or teams, they tend to be more aggressive in their marketing. They attend events, game events. So they, they, have, uh, they have dedicated sales team to do that work. And uh, as a freelancer, your time and your attention will be divided between actually translating and marketing yourself, approaching translation agency. I'm sorry, approaching uh, game developers, and you and you will also, of course, be competing with those uh, game localization agencies. So it, it's tough, but it can be done. Um, and also another thing that that can can uh, can be difficult for a freelancer translating with game developers is that. Uh, translation agencies, they are able to offer uh, a one package with multiple languages. If you are free, if you are a freelancer, you only have you probably will be working with only uh, one one pair. So that's that's uh, that's also uh, an attractive thing for developers to hire uh, a translation agency. But it can be done. You will need to build a very strong portfolio. You'll need to attend some events. And then you will need to, to just call, start maybe code selling to, to those game developers and be very uh, aware of which games are coming out and, and trying to find ways to approach those game developers. We have another question from Abraham that asks, could you share your thoughts uh, on the effective effectiveness of using a platform like Discord to acquire new clients in the video game industry? Well, I don't personally use Discord, but I, I know some, some people that do. And Discord is good because uh, Discord is widely used by game developers. 
right? So uh, especially those that are in the the first stages of, of the development. So uh, that, that can be a, a good way if you are able to find those communities. Yeah, that, that can be a good way if you if you join their Discord and try to to get in contact with the with the developers and their operations team to see if you can uh, if you can acquire new clients in that manner. And we have another question from Rafael. Um, from your personal experience, have you received neg negative feedbacks on a game you've put time and effort on? If yes, um, how have you dealt with that? <laughs> well, uh, yes, I think ne negative feedback is just uh, something that's inevitable because we are all taking risks and you, and we are, um, when, when you're talking about uh, games, there are people from all kinds of backgrounds. So uh, sometimes you are just confident that uh, uh, that the solution you come up with will sound, you know, that people will enjoy that solution. Sometimes they don't, especially when you are localizing proper nouns. Uh, there are a lot of people that just don't like uh, having proper nouns localized. They, they prefer to have the original proper noun, for example, in English, and then uh, they, Sometimes the translation is just not well accepted, and you have and you have to deal with that. So uh, the way I deal with that is I, I try to understand when, when I'm localizing a game. I try to understand uh, the target game audience and what are their their preferences, and see if I can uh, if I can learn something from the negative feedback I received. So I have some proper nouns that I come up with that I thought were great, but they actually, <laughs> turns out they weren't that great. It happens, it's just part of the job. But then I try to, to, to take the lesson from that, which is, okay, they don't, they don't like that I will get so much liberty translating proper nouns. So the next time, if the proper noun is, is uh, if the localization of the proper noun is not, uh, is too different from the original proper noun, then I'll probably just stick with the English even if I if I think that uh, it would be better if the, the the proper noun was localized, so that's just one of the of the examples I have here. And we have two last questions. If the audience has some more, just please share them right now, so then we can wrap up and don't steal too much of Diego's time. Um, we have a question from Gabriel Perez, which has the same surname as you, and it's funny. I really think it's funny. Maybe you're, I don't know, related, and we don't know that. And <laughs> he <my> asked, <laughs> um, hi Diego, um, how is the game localization market for language pairs without English? That's hmm. a very good question, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> my brother. <laughs> Well, um, to, to be perfectly honest, what uh, game developers tend to do when, when the game developers is from a country whose native language is not English is that uh, the source language is, that's actually something that I discuss in the, in the game localization course that, uh, so for example, if the game is, uh, it was developed in Russia or for example, Poland, let's take the example from The Witcher 3 that's just such a big name. Uh, what, what usually happens is, is that Poland will get localized into English and from English, the localization will be done into uh, all, all other languages. 
So that's what they usually do. They 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 tend they prefer to um, to invest in a, in a great localization into English and then have the, that localization spread to to the other to the other languages. And also because it, it's also more cost effective because it would be much more expensive to find, uh, for example, a Portuguese translator translating from Polish into Portuguese than from English into Portuguese. So that's what usually happens. And some developers, for example, in Brazil, that happens a lot. They develop their games in English as their first choice, and then they localize to Portuguese. This is I find this re really crazy, but it happens a lot, especially in, in South America. We have another question related to language pairs, which is um, from Ricardo. Uh, how do you see the localization industry for games that need to be translated into Brazilian Portuguese? Well, I would say Brazilian Portuguese is one of the biggest markets for localization right now. Uh, I think it's one of the, the top choices developers go with because the, the game market is just um, so huge, so huge. I, I don't have the, the hard numbers to, to prove that, but there are just millions and millions of users. And also uh, they tend to, to use the, the Brazilian Portuguese translation for their European Portuguese market too. So uh, I would say the, the market is really good for Brazilian Portuguese right now. Another question from Abraham. Um, which video game genres do you feel most confident translating and what are some of your favorite video games to play? Thank you for your question, Abraham. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, video game genres, I feel most confident transla translating uh, strategy games and role-playing games because those are my favorite genres. Those are the, the, the genres I grew up playing. So uh, I, I really know my, my way around localizing those games and I feel really confident about them. And, and what I really enjoy about role playing games is, uh, is exactly that uh, different characters have different ways of, of speaking. And that, this is what I find most fascinating about language in general is that, uh, that, that thing that how people from different regions in the same country can have so many different ways of, of speaking. And when I have the opportunity to use that, usually in a role-playing game, that's when I feel uh, really accomplished. So, and for the second questions, what are some of your favorite video games to play? Hmm. Well, right now, uh, <laughs> this is a difficult question. <laughs> You need to take sides. Yeah, it sounded easy, but now that I'm thinking of it, well, usually strategy games. I, I enjoy strategy games a lot. I, I was playing um, at the beginning of the year. I, I got addicted to Crusader Kings 3 because I, I just enjoy that kind of nerdy stuff. So <laughs> the, the games like that really um, are really what gets me interested okay so one last question um from ala this is this is a technical slash marketing one um are there proven steps to contact the gaming agencies i mean the best method such as email or a call well um yeah, game localization agencies usually have um, a, a career 
page or 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 job page or contact page where they are uh, where they advertise that they are looking for freelancers this is very common in game localization agencies because like i said the the market can be very dynamic so uh, a freelance translator that they were relying on for a lot of time suddenly stops accepting work for a number of reasons and they have to find another so game localization agencies have these uh, these career pages and usually there is a form that is embedded in their website or maybe they will just uh, provide the email for contact and then you will get in contact with them with a cover letter and your cv we actually have two more questions. Can I share okay. them? <laughs> so we have one for Gustavo. Um, do develop developers provide glossaries or translation memories to help out the translation process? Mm, it really depends on the developer. Uh, some developers will provide only a, an Excel file and you have to to do what you have to do to put that into a cat tool. Others will have uh, localization, will have localization processes in pages uh, in place. And especially if they have already uh, worked with, if they have already localized previous games, they probably have translation memories so that you can keep consistent with. So it really depends a lot on the, on the developer. And some developers will have their own glossaries. Other developers will, will, will pay the translation agency to build a glossary for them. So it, it can be both ways. There's really no, no standard. Very last question. <clears throat> Here's a silly question. I don't like playing games, but I love translating them. Um, my final paper was about game localization and Russian gamer language. Is this an obstacle? <laughs> well, that, that's that's funny, <laughs> but uh, well, I think I think maybe it will be an obstacle up up to a point because, like I said, you you really have to to be immersed on the on the on the language to uh, to localize properly so that uh, so that players can 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 be familiar with the kind of localization you are doing. But uh, you, you really don't have to be, a, let's say, a gamer or addicted to game in order to be a, a good localization. But you will, of course, need to to download games and play some of them to uh, and, and pay attention to their language. So, like I said, you will need to spend, I don't know, uh, three, four hours a day like a gamer would. But you will need, from time to time, you need to to play some games and, and see how how the language works in them. Mm -hmm. So the very last questions come from comes from me and oh. is um, what will your students learn in your upcoming uh, expert course in video game translation and what makes it so special? Okay, uh, <laughs> well, my upcoming course uh, offers a comprehensive look at the video game localization agent industry. So students will learn, uh, will learn how to start searching for freelance jobs, which tools are most common, or are most common, uh, the best practices. They will also learn about project life cycle, which job roles are involved uh, and to which they could apply, and how much they can learn as a freelance translator. 
and how game localization testing is carried out and much, much more. So of course, uh, in order to offer that much context content in a five hour course, it is fast paced. So there's a lot of context in only five hours, but students will, will have a very good grasp on the, on the localization industry as a whole. Because uh, I remember when I started out, the video game localization industry felt like a real mystery to me. So things were just translators were all kept in the dark. Some it, it really was so mysterious to me. So uh, what is most special about this course, I would say, is that uh, I built the course I wish that was around eight years ago. So students will learn from from the beginning of their career, like finding freelance jobs, developing skills, and where they want to go next. So this, this is a, a complete journey, let's say it, in five hours. So I think it's there, there are not many courses in video game localization around like that. Okay, so thank you so much, Diego, for your time and your pre precious advice. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Mohamed, it was really nice uh, talking with you and answering everyone's questions. I hope everyone enjoyed. Okay, so and thanks to our audience. Um, if you want to keep on learning about video game translation with Diego, check out his upcoming course. You will find um, the link in the chat. And if you like this free interview, please consider offering us a cup of coffee, of coffee um, using the link I've just sent in the chat. And um, thanks, everyone. And have a very nice evening. Um, see you soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Okay,